Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into What Makes Me Mad, a podcast where I discuss the things that make me mad. What is going on, everybody? This episode 121 of the podcast. That's right, 121. Not 120. Not a hundred and twenty-two, but a hundred and twenty-one episodes of stuff where I have been mad about and have saved it, and then I have then come onto this podcast and have yelled about it into a microphone, a more healthier alternative, I feel like, to then getting mad about stuff. I mean, I am getting mad about stuff, but like in a more healthier way that's right 121 episodes can't believe it and it's all thanks to the support from the faithful listeners sometimes they show up for one episode sometimes they show up for 10 and there's some that have probably listened to 121 of these goddamn episodes i can't believe they'd go that far but there's always some no matter what i put out it always seems like one or two people listen you know, sometimes I get 10 views on an episode, sometimes I get 2 views. And so that's why I keep going for those 2 viewers that want to always listen to what makes me mad. It could it could just be even random people. It could be a bot for all I care. But I'm still going to put out those episodes for those 2 listeners. Because I know those 10 other listeners will gradually come around as the time progresses. It's been a little bit since I last recorded. You know, you try to find some time to record, a little time of peace and quiet. And I think this was a good time to record, because right now I am currently watching the Bad Boy Mowers Battle for Atlantis. Which, when I think of Atlantis, I think of lawnmowers, so I don't know why the Bad Boy Mowers decided to uh, sponsor that game. There's a Bad Boy Mowers uh, bowl game for college football, I know that. Which kind of makes sense, because you're playing it on a field, and you have to mow a field, right? Uh, you never mow a basketball court. If you have a lawnmower on a basketball court, uh, you're kind of doing something wrong. So I kind of question the uh, sponsorship of the Bad Boy Mowers, but I don't mind them putting on a sponsorship for it if that helps put on basketball during Thanksgiving and helps, you know, that get put on the, the television for me to watch and enjoy. I say thank you then, Bad Boy Mowers. But Wisconsin right now kind of in a little bit of a struggle shooting the ball. Great defensively. They are playing amazing defensively. And that's how it's been this entire season. But shooting, whew, it's been a struggle. And I swear to God, it always seems like no matter how good of a shooter you are when you come to Wisconsin, you, you just can't shoot. Because everyone's like, we got to get a shooter. You know, we got to have someone that could shoot the ball. They come to Wisconsin, their shooting all of a sudden sucks, but then they turn into great defenders. I don't know how it happens, but it, I mean, it's like I'll always take great defense. But at the same time, it's kind of like when you need a bucket, you kind of need a bucket. So I kind of feel like the last time we had someone that was that good of a shoot, probably Bronson Gating, and then maybe a little bit before that, Brent Ben Rust. But other than that, there haven't been a whole lot of shooters come through. We've always recruited shooters, but once they come to Wisconsin, they can't buy a bucket to save their life. So I thought, I was like, you know, I don't want, instead of watching them probably bleed a slow death to a good Dayton team, don't get me wrong, Dayton's pretty solid, uh, I will 
just pause it and then I'll just flip through it. Because, you know, I like these tournaments to start off the year for college basketball. They really don't mean a whole lot too much. And they're kind of, you know, the atmosphere is kind of weird on them, right? So it's like you, I think they're kind of what, in a hotel room almost? Uh, or they're, they're, it's clearly, it's a random gym. And it's dimly lit. The announcers, it's kind of weird to hear them. And also, to the camera angles are kind of weird. So, you know, these... Tournaments I just kind of take with a grain of salt. Cool if you win them. Not going to run, uh, you know, with pitchforks and everything up to Madison if we lose. So I'll just kind of take it with a grain of salt. And, you know, it's before it's before Thanksgiving anyway. So it's like, you know, it's still plenty of time for the season still to get underway. But I was like, you know what? This will be a good time to record because there's been some stuff that has happened recently that has made me mad. So I think one of the big things that has made me mad recently, and I got a couple of big, big things. Like, you know, sometimes when I come onto this podcast and record, sometimes it's a little small, tiny things. Nah, I'm going big, big picture today. If anyone has been living under a rock recently, the World Cup is happening right now. Yes, you heard that right. World Cup, normally a summertime event, is being held right now because it's held in... Qatar, I think I'm saying it right. Qatar. Uh, some people have pronounced it Qatar. Some people pronounce it Qatar. I'm just going to roll with Qatar. Uh, yeah, it's being held uh, right now because, uh, yeah, you really can't host a soccer event in Qatar when it's 120 damn degrees out. Uh, so they had to put it in the fall, which is it's, it's fine. You know, I've gotten to watch a couple matches so far, and a couple of them have been pretty solid. Watch Canada and... Uh, uh, Belgium a little bit ago, and you've had some fun moments like Japan upsetting Germany. That, I mean, that's what the World Cup's all about, right? But this World Cup's a little bittersweet for me, because yes, I love the World Cup, and yes, it's fun that the U.S. is in it, but I, I hate the fact that it's hosted in Qatar for so many damn reasons. One, you know, uh, the fact that it's held in the fall just is dumb. Two, there's, there's basically bribery involved. Like, it blows my mind that Qatar got it, and everyone's like, really? That lo- that country's gonna host the World Cup, and then you find out all the allegations with FIFA and everything like that, and it's like, that that really rubs you the wrong way. And then also, too, they built the stadiums basically off uh, slave labor, and there's a bunch of human rights violations there, probably, and, and then it's like, then they also have stuff to deal with in their own country with human rights, and all that, and it's just, it's just like, no, this country should not be celebrated right now with the World Cup, but the thing that happens with these World Cups, just like the Olympics, everyone wants to host them, you know, these countries will throw so many, so much money to host, and all this, they come there for three weeks, uh, everybody leaves for three weeks, and then the stadiums just go to ruin, same thing that happened in Brazil, Brazil in the middle of an economic recession, they all they host the World Cup. They build all these big, huge stadiums, and then uh, you know they rarely use them again. So that's why I'm kind of glad that the U.S. or I mean the North America is going to get to host the World Cup because they've got you know the stadiums for it. it. Don't make a whole lot of sense for these you know countries that are either in an economic recession or they're small build these large extravagant stadiums just to host it for three weeks. And then they never use them again. It's a waste of space and it's a waste of money. 
not good for the environment at all. And, like, some of these countries got to have more of a plan to host it. But, you know, some of them, you know, just aren't good at, like, planning and stuff. And, you know, some of them have, you know, kind of dictatorships. And between Brazil hosting it in 2014 when they probably shouldn't have because they're in the economic recession... Russia then getting it in 2018 with everything that Putin does. Uh, and then 2022, Qatar getting it. FIFA really needs to just kind of, you know, look at this and be like, hey, how do we, like, you know, maybe host, like, maybe we should reward countries for actually Because it's like, I would like to, you know, soccer fans love soccer, obviously, right? And a lot of them are just like, this sucks, but we're going to have to enjoy it. And it's like, you know, you'd, it'd be just better for everyone if they just enjoyed the World Cup more and they didn't have to worry about, you know, like celebrating this World Cup that's being played, it, you know, in a country like Qatar. That's just basically the best way I can describe it. It's like, you know, I get money is the you know what makes the world go around but it just doesn't make sense to host it in qatar or russia or that and then i saw saudi arabia is putting in a bid for 2030 and it's like no let's not do this let's stop you know having money get in the way with the pride of the sport all right you know i don't understand why france just can't host it when your germany hosted it in 2006 and it was fine you know, England could clearly host it. You know, England's a soccer-crazed country. They clearly have the stadiums for it. Italy, Portugal, you know, or you could look at, you know, African countries and all that. But it's like, let's just stop rewarding it to countries that have a shit ton of money, but they have terrible human rights. It's the same thing I harped about with WWE going to Saudi Arabia just for the money. And it's like, you pieces of shit, just look, just... You know, put put the, put the blood money down for a second and just look at what you're doing. You're going to a country that basically chopped up a journalist into small pieces. Like, that's not a country you should be going to. I don't care how much money they're going to throw at you. And everything that's happened, you know, with Qatar, with, you know, LGBTQ rights and all that. And it's just stop letting the money dictate things like let the popularity of soccer dictate things japan i feel like would be a great country to host the world cup they hosted the olympics they got the stadiums for it well instead it's like we're gonna go to these little we're gonna go to these countries put them in economic ruin and then see you later four years it's like it frustrates the hell out of me but you know like i said it's it's a bit of bittersweet but also to the sweet part of it is because i get to watch the u.s but what's nice about watching the u.s is that they're gonna get in they've got some potential players that can make some noise but greg burhalter again is a complete moron who doesn't know how to manage a team and then they go out there and they're gonna do disappointing things like again what happened in wales or when we faced Wales, we were up one nothing. We put out a great starting lineup to start off, and I'm like, all right, Burhalter's actually got something cooking. Great first half, 45 minutes, absolutely cooking, right? What does Greg Burhalter do? Well, obviously, a Greg Burhalter disaster class is what he's going to do in the second half. Substitutions, late getting on the pitch, uh, or like making the adjustments where it's like, okay, we need subs badly, like right now, like let's get him on. 
making adjustments. Wales clearly made adjustments since they were the far better team in the second half. The United States made no defensive adjustments. The U.S. just basically parked the bus. And at the end of the day, the United States had one shot on target. That's right, one shot on target. Granted, it was a goal, but still, one shot. Way to put pressure on a keeper. Great job. And that's obviously clearly a design of Burhalter, the how you play and everything like that. But it's like they've got the pieces up top where they could definitely get far more than one shot. Just let them boys get after it. So, yeah, the substitution is very questionable, uh, especially at the end where it was like he brings on Jordan Morris. And it's just like, what are you doing, my guy? Stop playing these mediocre MLS guys, you know, over your young, you know, guys that are playing over in Europe and overseas and everything like that. Let them get after it. Nah, Burhalter's like, MLS guys, let's go after it. There's nothing wrong with playing in the MLS. It's just not as good of a league. As, you know, playing over in Europe. It's just, you know, you want iron sharpening iron. That's just how it is. But, you know, Burhalter's like an MLS coach. He's going to take his MLS guys. It's just like they're not going to be there, be playing good in a World Cup when they're going up against guys that are far, far superior than him. So it just frustrates the hell out of me. Big match against England coming up on this Friday. Uh, so we're going to have to see what happens there. Uh, concern very much about it though because this has the potential to go very good or it has the potential to go very bad and it concerns the hell out of me uh so again you know we're gonna have to see how it goes but to go from one coach that doesn't know what he's doing to another coach that doesn't know what he's doing good god can the packers fire joe barry yet holy bucket of oats i went to the thursday night football game which worked out great. My grandfather called me up and was like, hey, got some tickets. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I would love to go because I don't have Amazon Prime. I've bitched about it before, but I'm not going to give Jeff Bezos the time, uh, you know, on my podcast to talk about it, right? So I went up to the game, right? And I always enjoy going up to Lambeau Field. So I went into it. I'm like, all right, this is going to be a fun time no matter what. And it was. It was a very fun time. Enjoyed the crew that I went with. It was a very fun time, right? But what frustrates the hell out of me is watching the Packers this season, uh, which has been up and downs, mainly more downs than up, sadly. Uh, Joe Barry is not a good defensive coordinator. And this is what blows my mind with him, is that we have, we put, going into the season, we had three corners that I thought, all right, these guys are studs. Let them be out on the, like, let them be outside. Let them match up against their best wide receivers and let them go at it, right? What does Joe Barry mainly do this whole year? We are going to play a soft zone 10 yards off the ball. So what does offenses, so what do opposing offenses do? They decide, all right, we are just going to throw little curl routes, you know, little slants, five yards here, six yards there. Just dink and dunk their way down the field. That's what happens. Every time. And it blows my mind that everybody can see it except for the coaching staff. I don't understand it. Put your best up against their best. And there's been times where it's like our guys have been beat. Whatever. That happens. You know, that's what happens when you're a defensive back. You're going to get beat sometimes. But it makes no sense to keep putting the defensive backs in zone when they clearly don't understand their assignments, there's been a, there was a couple blown assignments in the game last night uh, on Thursday 
against the Titans, where it was specifically uh, Darnell Savage had a couple moments where he got beat pretty good. And it's just like, instead of letting these guys just continue to get beat in the zone, just go up to them and be like, what is going to make you guys good? Like, what are you guys thriving? And honestly, a lot of people are like, just let them go man-to-man on these guys and, like, let them, don't think, don't let them think and just let them go out there and act. And that was, like, one of my biggest things when I played soccer, right, was if I got caught too much up in thinking, it fucked with my game. When I just went out there and reacted to what was going on, I played fine. But if I got in my head too much, then that's when I struggled. And that's what happens with a lot of these guys that are out there. I think they're in their head too much. And it's like, just let them go out and be great. They're NFL cornerbacks. They can totally go out there and handle these guys. And they've shown flashes as well, too. Like, 2020, we looked at it, and it was going to be like, all right, Darnell Savage is going to be a stud. Adrian Amos has been playing great uh, back in the secondary. What a free agent pickup. Jair, you know, absolutely stud corner. And then uh, Eric Stokes, you know, shows flashes. His or Then flash forward to 2021, Eric Stokes shows Great flashes his rookie year. Rasul Douglas leads the team in interceptions returned for touchdowns, right? You're thinking like, okay, we've got a good secondary. You can't sit here and tell me that all of those guys regressed because it was their fault. It's like one guy, sure, I can understand. Sometimes guys look good and then they regress. You can't tell me that that whole defense has regressed and it's not Joe Barry's fault. Because it's like there's just too many guys back there that we know are good, that we know are studs, we've spent high capital on, high free agent signings on, for them to, like, be good. And they're not. And you can't sit here and tell me that it's like, well, they all suck. No, there's pieces in there that are good. But we need to get a defensive coordinator in there that knows how to use them pieces properly. I don't want anyone to sit here and be like, well, they're all terrible. It's like... Yeah, maybe some of them aren't as great, or maybe we had higher expectations and they just haven't panned out. But you can't sit here and tell me that, you know, what, potentially having three all-pro guys not look as good is all because all three of them just didn't pan out because they all got their money. Nah, don't, nah. I ain't buying it. Then offensively, there were some struggles as well, too. Rodgers missed some throws. The run game was non-existent because the run because we couldn't run the ball to save our life, or, like, the offensive line couldn't get any push. And granted, the Titans have a good defensive line. But that was one of the things I thought was interesting. Like, Titans come in, we know they're going to run the ball, right? And it's, like, force Tannehill to beat us. We did the first part great. Derrick Henry did not really torch us or have any big runs. But just because, but then it's, like, this is what actually frustrates me, actually. All we had to do for this game was just look at the game plan of 2020. When we played them Sunday night football at home in the snow. And we, all right, this is how we got to beat the Titans. Because that game plan was executed beautifully defensively. We stacked the box. We shut, like, we didn't let Derrick Henry get a, have a big night. He almost got close to 100 yards, but, like, basically 30 carries. Like, that's what you want to see. Like, force him to run and don't let him get a big gain. Force Tannehill to beat you. Tannehill did not beat us because their secondary had a couple good picks. And that was when they had A.J. Brown as well, too, a stud wide receiver. So offseason happens. Titans trade A.J. Brown. So, again, all the Packers have to do, stop the run, and then don't let Tannehill beat you. Like, you're literally going to force Tannehill to beat you. 
So let your all-pro corners do their thing, right? What does Joe Barry do the entire game? Ah, we're just going to play six, seven yards off the ball on a third and four, let them run a little curl route for a first down. Whole time, they just dink and dunk down the field. And it blows my mind that literally everybody can see this except for Joe Barry. But he's never been a good defensive coordinator before. And, you know, the one thing I thought was, like, kind of nice was I was, like, when I was looking at, like, his previous, you know, areas where he's coached, I'm like, okay, he knows expertise in linebackers. He gets here and our linebackers started playing better. You know, uh, Devondre Campbell, great signing from uh, from free agency. I thought Barnes had stepped his game up, and I was like, maybe he knows something about linebacker play. But then Mike Smith goes to Minnesota, and then it's like our linebacker play kind of drops off. And it's just like, and you know, there's been some pieces where it's like, again, I see like growth where it's like Quay Walker looks like he's going to be a stud. And then it's like, all right, let's give Devontae Wyatt some time. Like there's pieces on this squad. We just got to have a defensive coordinator that goes in there and knows what the hell he's doing. And then offensively, it's like, all right, again, there's some pieces there. You've still got Rodgers who can make some great throws at times, but you can tell he's kind of aging a little bit. Aaron Jones, great stud running back. A.J. Dillon's had a tough time this year. But you look at the wide receivers, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, two rookies, they look like they have the potential to be studs. They've shown flashes this year, and that's what you want to see in your young wide receiver court. So I always hate it when people are like, we got to fire our GM. It's like, for what? This draft class looks like it's going to be amazing. Like, Quay Walker looks like he's going to be a great linebacker. Give Devontae Wyatt some time. Christian Watson has shown huge, like, flashes and growth these past couple games. Romeo Dobbs, again, also looks like, too, he has the potential to be good. So that's four picks he's already hit, like, potential home runs on. Maybe, like, we don't find, like, this is how it should be for, like, you know, when you have, like, an organization that's not having a good year. It's basically like a coordinator will get fired first. That'll buy some people some time. Maybe you make some adjustments. Maybe some things change. But then normally then your head coach, something like that, will go, right? Joe Barry's got to go. Like, Joe Barry, absolutely number one thing. He has to go. And the thing that pissed me off with LaFleur, same thing with that happened uh, with uh, Maurice Drayton as our special teams coach last year. He hangs on to these coordinators for too long, and then something really terrible happens where it's like could potentially cost us a playoff run. And, you know, who knows? If this defense plays better, who knows how the season goes? Like, if we don't get, you know, Daniel Jones throwing 10-yard slants against us while we're playing off the ball in England or, you know get nickeled and dimed to death by a Zach Wilson-led Jets offense. Like, you can't sit here and tell me, like, who knows, maybe that season goes better if Joe Barry's in charge. And LaFleur just hangs on to these coordinators for too long. Or, like, he's too afraid to, like, make a change to, like, that's going to rock the boat. And it's like, sometimes if it's not, like, it's the National Football League. It, it could also stand for not for long if you're not getting the job done. And so LaFleur's got to look at these guys and be like, all right, who is like this who has been struggling like all this we got to look at you know if we're going to be good next year is it because of him or is it going to be in spite of him and right now like we're winning games in spite of joe barry like it's not joe barry's defense helping us out like no we're mainly having to help out the defense and it's like in times there's been moments where the defense has played good 
but in the moments where you need them, they disappear. And again, that has mainly to do with Joe Barry. So it frustrates the hell out of me. Basically, the way I see it, I've seen some people being like, oh, should LaFleur have his coaching job? No, like, yeah, he should still be the head coach of the Packers. Is the hot seat getting a little bit hotter? Yeah, absolutely. But, like, the guys had three dominant uh, seasons as head coach where he just got off on fire and, you know, everything's going great. And then all of a sudden at the first down year, you want to get rid of the guy? Let's maybe not. He's one of the most winningest coaches already in Packers history. Maybe we don't run him out of town yet. The way I see it, LaFleur and Goot to Kuntz gets at least another year, like at the minimum. Maybe even they get another, like, like say, like, it goes really south next year. Like, maybe, maybe you get rid of him. But, like, Joe Barry's got to go, and maybe offensive coordinator Adam Stavenovich needs to go back to just coaching the offensive line. But th- there's going to have to be pieces that get rearranged. Let him rearrange some stuff. Let him have a full offseason, work with some stuff. We're going to have to work with the cap a little bit. But let's do some readjusting. But we don't need to just fire everyone and make franchise-altering decisions after just a tough week. I think that's what frustrates me with the fan base the most. They want to make franchise-altering decisions right after a tough loss. We got to fire the GM. We got to fire the coach. We got to bench Rodgers. We got to do all this. Let's not do that just yet. Because when you do a franchise-altering decision, this isn't Madden where you just can either redo it or just change it back and everything goes about the same. No, that's not how things happen. When you make a franchise-altering move like that, it is a franchise-altering move. It's not a potential. It is a franchise-altering move. So I really wish the fan base of Green Bay would be like, okay, this season has been frustrating, but let's see, you know, the positives. Let's see, you know, where maybe we could change some things instead of being like, hmm, this season isn't going the way it should be. Let's blow everything up and start over. That's not how it works. You just kind of have to tinker with some things sometimes. If your car isn't starting up, do you go, ah, yes, my car isn't turning over when I turn the key over in the ignition? Do you go, ah, yes, I shall get a new car? Or do you go, well, hmm, let me adjust and look at how I have things right now in my car before making a hasty decision like that? (sighs) It blows my mind. Do you go, when you, if you're at a job and you don't like how it's going or something, or you're seeing things that you don't like, do you go, ah, yes, I shall leave immediately? Or do you go, well, let me look at some things. Maybe I can adjust some things or maybe some little work on some little things here or there, right? But but the Green Bay fan base, man, if they have the opportunity to make a franchise-altering move, they go for it. And it frustrates the hell out of me sometimes. And you want to know what else frustrates the hell out of me that makes uh, decisions, uh, it seems like, at a whim? Elon Musk and Twitter. Now, I don't like to get political because obviously, like, when you talk Elon Musk, it's, you know, you're going to go a certain way. But I'm not going to go, like, that route. I want to, like, look at how he's running Twitter. And, you know, just, like, kind of, I'm keeping my eye on it. I'm not heavily invested into it just because it's, like, I don't want to give my time to it. Just because it's, like, the guy just wants attention and I don't feel like getting mad about something 
when all I have to do is just put the phone down and go about my day, right? That's my whole thing with social media. Instead of getting mad about things, just put the phone down and go about my day or do something else, right? Elon buys Twitter, right? You want to know how you don't go about things? And hey, you could say, oh, what you want about Elon? He is a very wealthy person. I'll totally give him that. But comes in and is like, all right, we're going to instantly start making some changes and all that. And right away, like when you've worked there for a company and you have a new guy come in and he instantly starts making some changes, a lot of people just like going about the flow of things. You know, I'm one of those people. So that's kind of like a turnoff right there. And then you instantly go, all right, this working from home is done. You must be in the office. And it's like, well, why? I, I always hate it when it's like, all right, you must be in the office. Well, are you going to be in the office too? Oh, no. Okay, great. Uh, and then it, but, you know, obviously CEO can dick around whoever he wants, right? And then it comes to it that what? You know, all this is happening. He sends out an email where it's like, you either have to be in or out, and you have 24 hours, or I will accept your resignation. Why do something like that? This is what you do if you're, this is all you gotta do if you're a CEO. You come in, oh, hello, I am, you know, so-and-so, I've bought your company. Let's all work together, because I bought your company for so much money, and I know it's profitable. But I know if all of you instantly dip out, it's not gonna be good. But what does Elon do? Ah, you have 24 hours to submit your resignation or you must be all in. And it's like, why make an ultimative like that? Just work with some people for Christ's sakes. Not that hard. Okay, obviously it's like people have, you know, some ideas like and some thoughts of you when you're coming in. Just be like, all right, you know, let's all work together. You know, let's do, there's going to be some changes that I want, but I'm sure like you guys know what you're doing. Like, let's all work together and see being like, ah, this is how I am going to do things. So Twitter's lost a bunch of value, basically. And then also too, Tesla's lost a bunch of value as well, too. And it's just like, you know, maybe just like work a little bit together with like the people that you have instead of just having, you know, being like you are either in or out, just work with some people. And like also too, it's like, that would suck. Any job that would be like, you have 24 hours to submit your resignation or you must be all in and work 10 times harder. It's like, what? Again, that's a life-changing move. You know how I talked about earlier with the Packers with franchise-altering moves? Doing something like that, changing jobs, is a life-changing move. With healthcare benefits, you know, your pay, all this, your routine, structure... To be like within 24 hours, yep, you only have 24 hours. It's like, no, that's not how things should be. It should be something like, all right, obviously, you know, just I don't understand why they just all couldn't work together. Or just be like, hey, let's all work together. There's some things I like about Twitter, but there's some things I don't like. Let's all work together on this and try to improve it. I'd be totally fine with that because Twitter pisses me off a lot of times. It, it has the potential to be hilarious, but also too, there's moments where I go on the app and I'm like, wow, this is stupid. I hate this app. Why do I spend time on it? So I don't know. Maybe if Elon just kills Twitter, maybe it'll be for the best because then I'll spend literally less time on it. Not that hard, right? Same with, it's like, I love social media, but also too, I hate it because it's like, it's important for my job and there's some stuff I like about it, but man, there's some negatives that can kind of outweigh the positives sometimes. So it's just one of those things where it's like, you want to what? If it dies, it dies.
So, and also too, it's just like social media in general. Like I was watching a, a news report about Twitter, right? And a guy from MSNBC, Ben Collins, I've been listening to. And honestly, he kind of knows his shit a little bit. And he made up a great point. It is a website. It is an app. You don't have to go on it. And honestly, that's the approach I've been kind of taking on, right? If I know seeing stuff about Elon Musk is going to piss me off, I'm not going to seek out that stuff that pisses me off. If I type in Elon Musk on the search bar, yeah, obviously I'm going to see a bunch of stuff about Elon and then I'm going to get pissed. So you want to know what I don't do? I don't type Elon Musk into Twitter no more. It's just I avoid it. Go on there for my sports. Go on there for a little bit of news. Go on there for some funny ass threads. Go about my day, right? Don't seek out that negative negative uh, things that's going to make you mad. And if it does, just move on to the next thing. It don't make sense wasting time god i remember one time i put something on like instagram and someone uh like commented on it and i was just like i could engage with this person or i could just move on about my day and that's what i did and i'm sure that's what he did about his day too he said i said my thing he said his thing and then we moved on instead of going back and forth and wasting time with it because a lot of times people aren't going to change their opinion and people have dumb opinions so it's like if they're not going to change their stupid opinion why waste the time on it and so it's just people also spend way too much time on social media to begin with i feel like i spend too much time on it and it's only like a couple hours there are people on there that are on there constantly if twitter does die i'm actually going to be kind of excited about it because there's like all these political pundits not like the political pundits that you see on tv it's just like the political pundits that literally just tweet all the time and they wait for certain political leaders to tweet so they can tweet right underneath them and reply and all that. It's like those people need to get out and enjoy the sun. They need to get outside, enjoy life, instead of just looking at their life through a cell phone screen. Honestly, for the love of God, spending that much time on Twitter just wouldn't be fun. It's like, oh, it's just politics 24-7. It's like, yes, politics is important. Yes, you have to keep your eye on it, but it's like, for the love of God, people, like, just go outside like pick up a new hobby read a book do you even have a job some of these people i wonder i'm like do you even have a job where you just sit around and just tweet all day it's like god dang go out and be productive in society no one's gonna care if you know jojo from jurors doesn't tweet anymore no one's gonna care if uh you know nick adams doesn't tweet anymore which you know bummer because all of a sudden uh you know oh he can't do his dumb quarterback rankings where all the players are basically white and it's like oh okay that's you know interesting it it just frustrates the hell out of me uh they need to get out and enjoy the world instead of looking at it through a cell phone screen also another thing that also people need to do too so i am uh my hometown had a community page a lot of these community pages popped up on facebook during the pandemic good way for what potentially was a good way for people to reach out to each other, talk about what is going on, how people are doing, but instead you have idiots again with social media that think they can get their opinion out there. So I guess there is a community page for my hometown where they like created a community page, but then they were like deleting posts because I'm sure they have rules on it. So then people then made another separate page, which at that point it's like, Really, like, you're investing too much time into social media if you're creating another 
social media page because you're getting frustrated at one, right? And then they're putting stuff in. It's just like, people, for the love of God, you're spending too much time on Facebook and you also have just so many dumb opinions. Get off it. Go out. Read a book. Go for a walk. Do something. Pick up a hobby. Go volunteer at a soup kitchen. Something like that. Be more productive to society instead of being like, yeah, we're going to do all this and you can't silence us. And it's like, dude, just social media is not the end of the world. Just go outside. Honestly, I'm so, I, I, I try to avoid it as much as I can. I honestly do. There's some things that I like about social media. There's some things I don't like. And probably the fact that it's like you have idiots out in the world that get their voices amplified and then they think that they feel smart enough and it's like, you're an idiot. Why are you getting to tweet? Why do you have a Facebook? Why are you commenting on stuff? (sighs) That's why, I honestly, social media just, it'd be great. I try to stay off it. I try to do my thing, post my stuff, and that's it. And, you know, try to seek out the good. But, man, there's so much bad on there where it's just, like, frustrates the hell out of me. So, my thing with Twitter, hopefully uh, everything gets worked out there. Hopefully everything goes good with everybody there. And, you know, I I don't mind it as an app, but it's, like, it frustrates the hell out of me. So, it is kind of nice, though, where it's, like, seeing these billionaires, Musk and also Mark Zuckerberg, uh, because I saw Meta is uh i'm just gonna call it facebook I, I, they do the branding with now that it's the metaverse but it's like shut up we, we all know it's facebook still just seeing their stocks drop in price where it's like they're losing money it's like you know what yeah good for you get, get a little bit of humble pie how does that taste probably not very good isn't it because it's like these billionaires think they can just dick everybody around back to bezos as well too there's nothing better than i love where it's like they're getting served this humble pie Dude, if I was a billionaire, and this is what pissed me off about, like, Bezos, Musk, and Zuckerberg. They always gotta find their way into the news cycle. If I was a billionaire, you would never hear from me. I would take my money, I would just go buy a nice big piece of land, and I would just live quietly. Pay my taxes, do my things, maybe do a little bit of charity work. But, like, I'm not gonna be all this, oh, I am going to buy Twitter. It's like, nope, I'm just gonna be quiet about stuff. Why? Because I don't want people, like, trying to dig up stuff on me. I'm just going to go about my life quietly and peacefully. But instead, all these big billionaires like to think, whoa, we're so great. And this isn't just recently. Like, this is things in the past, right, where it's like, always seems to happen with people with money. They get really arrogant, and then they think, oh, I'm king of the hill. I can do all this stuff. And it's like, that was me? Nah, you wouldn't hear from me at all. I would just be so quiet. You'd be like, Man, who's the most, like, rich person in the world? Oh, it's Callahan Steed. How come I've never heard of this guy? Exactly, because that's what I want. I don't want people coming after me. I just want to go about my business and live my life. But instead, like, it's almost like they got to create, like, challenges for them to overcome. You've made your money. You've made your generations of wealth. All that you have to do now is just go live about your life. Like, honestly, why would I want to go out if I had that money? Why would I want to go out and buy a social media platform? Why? Like, if I was Zuckerberg, you've made your money off Facebook. I would have sold that, like, a couple years ago, especially when all that shit was happening with, like, you know, hate groups rising, 
you know, and then you got to deal with like sent with like censoring people. Then they're going to claim that they have free speech, all this stuff. I would have just said, fuck this. I'm selling it. Y'all enjoy it. Like y'all can deal with it. I ain't dealing with it. I came up with the idea. Give me my money. And then I'm going to leave. Some of these guys are like, oh, let's create, let's keep getting into stuff like Bezos. Oh, I want to buy Thursday night football rights. Yeah. Have fun with that, buddy. Hope it fails for you. And instead, it'd be like, wow, Amazon Prime going great. A couple years, like, let's sell it and then move on. Because that's what you got to do. Ride it when it's hot. And then when you think it's starting to cool down, that's when you sell it and get out. It's not that hard. But instead, they're like, ah, let's just keep trying to make more and more and more money. It's like, once, dude, if I made a billion, I'm done. Like, that's selling, retiring, doing whatever. But instead, these people got to think that they just got to keep going and making the wealth. And it's like, oi, oi, oi. Like, what are you doing, my guy? Just enjoy time with your family or something like that. I don't know why you got to keep doing all this, but whatever. It frustrates the hell out of me. But I that's as we move to the holiday season, I am very thankful I don't own a social media company. I think I'm just going to say that right now. Like, maybe LinkedIn. I LinkedIn's fine. I'd be fine, like, owning LinkedIn. But, like, I'm so glad I don't have to touch Twitter, Facebook, any of that like y'all can y'all can deal with that shit i let me i'll run my little podcast but that's it i don't want to touch anything else when it comes to social media Uh uh-uh y'all can have it so that's what i'm thankful for i'm thankful for people deciding that they feel the need that they run the social media not me because there's some things where it's like yeah this is how i'd run it if i was you know in charge but then at the end of the day it's like do you really want all that nah so I'm glad I don't have to deal with it. But thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. I hope you guys have a good Thanksgiving. Enjoy some football. Enjoy the World Cup, if you, for the most part, if you can. Uh, but also, too, what I'm hoping for, for Thanksgiving football at least, I hope all the games are close. Why? Because all of them are going to be on cable, and I hope all the cable uh, does good with viewership-wise. Again, I hope Thursday night football continues to be shitty games where it's like, I think, honestly, the... Titans Packers was probably like one of the decent games. Like out of all the shitty games Thursday night football has had this year, that's gotta be like one where it was like that was probably like one of like their better ones. But even then, that was kind of a tough game to sit through. So I'm glad I didn't have to get Amazon Prime to watch. So I hope Amazon Prime continues to struggle with viewerships for Thursday night football. Hope it continues to go down, but I hope my viewership continues to go up. So That's going to do it, though, for this week's edition of What Makes Me Mad. I appreciate you guys listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you.